If you're on yeah. TRT and you go to 300 test. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Scott McNally and Andrew Barry. Uh, we are skipless today. Skip's not with us. He went out and did another podcast, Andrew. What's up with that? Yeah, you know, I, I guess we're just, um, you know, we're, we're small fry compared to uh, Skip and, and his uh, his podcast requests. He's actually on with Jeff Black today. And anyone who knows Jeff, Jeff's a great bodybuilder. He's a hardworking guy. He's getting ready for the universe, I believe, Easy. in a few weeks. I think that's what he's doing is the universe. Okay. He's doing, I think he's doing a qualifier like maybe this week and then the universe next week. But yeah, he's he's a master's guy, good bodybuilder. Right on. That's that's what uh, Nick Vocolo is doing. Yeah, I know you saw my guy who won everything in the show, and I think yeah, you had a guy. Thank you. Uh, you had a guy too that won everything in the show too uh, this past week, didn't you? He won everything except the Open Classic. He's a Masters guy, but he won his Classic class. He won the Masters overall. He won the Men's Physique overall. He won the. <laughs> Uh, masters men's he, he won it all like except for the open classic to a guy who's okay. you know just a little bit better younger fresher physique um but yeah we're getting ready to do the universe in a couple weeks as well okay did you say your guy's doing it yeah yeah so he so nick is uh, a bodybuilder and yep. last minute like literally the weekend bef- one weekend out he's like nick you know how tall are you I think we can make classic. Let's see what your weight class is. I feel like you have a classic physique. He's light heavyweight mm-hmm. and uh, five, just five, nine and a half. And uh, he, he was like, you know, 198 at the time. So we look and like okay. 198 was the cutoff, I think. So yeah, we we're like, okay, yeah, let's try this. He didn't even know. He's like, well, what are I going to do different? I was like, well, you don't have to do as many poses, you know? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> so on top of that, now I didn't know this. This is like the Pennsylvania State Championships. There was two shows that were running simultaneously, yes. okay? Hmm. So we entered them both. So he ended up winning his class in the other show, winning mm-hmm. his classic class in the other show, and mm-hmm. winning the Masters in the other show. And then for the Pennsylvania State Championships, he won his class and the overall. He won. He ended up with 12, whatever it was, he ended up with 12 trophies for this thing. I saw that picture. That's it's, wild. <laughs> it's nuts, man. Who, what's your guy's name? Uh, which one? The guy who, uh, the guy who just did this, uh, won, won the, uh, the men's physique. And, oh, and, and oh all Tim that. Wright. Tim Wright. Tim Wright. Yeah, okay, Tim Wright. Cool. Yep. yep. Yeah, he'll be doing open masters, men's physique, and classic at the uh, at the universe. That's cool. Oh, you so. can you can open masters, men's physique. Wait, say that again. He'll be doing both open and masters in classic and men's physique. Okay, I didn't realize you could do both at uh, at a show like that. Dude, it's it's the NPC. You, should, you think they're going <laughs> to pin away an extra three hundred and fifty dollars? It's no, that's why. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, that's why they, um, dude, there was one year at the universe, this woman did like six classes and she oh, won wow. like four or five of them. Yeah, she did, uh, she did like open, she did 35 plus, she did 40 plus, she did 45 plus, and she might have even done bikini and figure or something like that. She was in like, we okay. saw her six different times, right? Okay. And it's like, 
you got to play your odds, right? You, you're yeah. bound to get one of those classes. And you, yeah. but no, they absolutely let you do that because, you know, the NPC got wise a few years ago, especially yes, when Classic did. came around. And they said, well, wait a minute. Like, we're definitely going to open this up to crossovers because the person's already here. They're going to shell out an extra 350 or 325 or whatever it is. And our, like the, the North Americans one year had 1,800 entries, I think it was, right? But yeah. it was only like... 1300 competitors so oh, there's somewhere around I've, five 500 crossovers yeah okay so well listen we've yeah. got a topic short topic and then we've got a bunch of listener questions to knock out um igf and even more specifically if we want to get into igf lr3 uh we mentioned on the previous episode man i think it's making a comeback you know it i i first heard about it circa 2005 so it's literally mm-hmm. almost 20 years later um, mm-hmm. and well, I should say I first found it available around 2005 and, uh, and now 20 years later, almost it's, it's like, I hear people talking about it. Like it's this brand new thing and people have been asking us, you know, what do you think about IGF? Is this great? And I know that some people are doing videos on it too. I haven't seen these videos, but I know some people have been talking about it and people are interested to know, uh, I can share my experiences cause I used a lot of it at one point. And I'd be curious mm-hmm. to hear what you have to say, too. We talked a little bit about it before, but have you used it, yeah. first of all? Yes. Okay. I've used Dez. I've used I, uh, LR3. There was one time, actually, when me and Matt Porter were going to go in and buy a whole bunch of um, Incrilex uh, about Ooh. maybe eight or ten years ago. Yeah. And then we both decided not to because it was just like we both needed to put up like $6,000 at once because the guy wanted to sell like – 20 boxes of it or something like that it was either take it all or, or take none of it yeah so we were talking about buying it and splitting it up but he wow. was kind of at that point where he was um doing his trt plus experiments and yeah yeah i think in the back of his mind he was like i know i'm gonna get into bodybuilding hardcore again so he was thinking about stockpiling it but yeah um but yeah no like i never pulled the trigger on it and, and where i'm getting at is that would probably be the only igf related product I would use at this point. Um, reason being, and yes, I used LR3, um, probably two different three month cycles. I think what I saw out of it was more placebo effect than anything, you know, hmm. cause when you try a new compound, especially when you think it's like going to be the next Holy grail thing and it stings, you want, you look, yeah, <laughs> you, you look for those results, right? You look for like, Oh, I'm a little tighter and all oh, my arms are freaking growing or we're, you know, cause I believe the dosing protocol and correct me if I'm wrong, but because it's been so long, it, it's one of those compounds where I've kind of shut the door on and not thought about much lately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I believe I was dosing something like 50 micrograms bilaterally. Like, so if you're training arms, you're doing, you know, a shot in right bicep, a shot in the left bicep. And, uh, I believe it was like, I might've started with like 25 micrograms and then ramped up to like 50 micrograms over the course of the cycle. Um, and I gotta be honest, I didn't really see much out of it. The only thing I did see was I felt like I went, um, hypoglycemic, uh, yes. fairly often yes. while using it. it that happen. was the main, yeah, that was the main side effect that I saw. Um, in terms of real actual growth, I don't believe I, I don't think, I, I mean, I really don't think, but then who's to say, because when you're taking it, I was running probably, you know, a, hel- a healthy cycle at the same time. So it's hard to say if I saw anything at all, I'm thinking I didn't see much in the way of results with it. Yeah. So here, here's my thought. <clears throat> now I'd run it a lot. I, I can't count how many times I ran it, but it was a bunch of times. And I, I would say that, so first of all, uh, you know, what is IGF? It's, 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 it's a growth factor, right? 
And when we take growth hormone, we get a conversion that we are then uh, building our IGF levels up. This is just IGF, right? And the straight straight IGF, like Incrilex, that's just like the pure thing versus mm-hmm. LR3 is supposed to have a longer half-life in your system from what I understand, right? Um, mm-hmm. The way I remember dosing it was starting lower, tapering up, and I, I got into it deep, like combining it with growth hormone, combining it with insulin. And I had this whole timing system by the last time I took it. I stopped using it bilaterally, first of all. Okay. I just took it. I figured that it's getting in my system and I'll rotate the shots. And I just would put it in one delt, then put it in the other, or put it in one tricep, next day put it in the other. Um, the, the way that I liked it the most was I would use it literally right before I trained. So I'd get in the gym and I would take it like in the gym bathroom or in the car before I trained and then immediately hit the, mm-hmm. hit the floor. And there is that, like you said, you'd go hypo. There is that, that, mm-hmm. you know, insulin like factor to it. I do think that you do get better storage. Now I, I, I've wondered if there is a place for it, you know, maybe that place could be um, in a contest prep where you wanted mm-hmm. to create more fullness. I think you can get more fullness out of it. I do think that that happens. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's the game changer that people say or people think that it is or or what it's been reported to be. I mean, yeah. like it, it, it is the it is the IGF from our growth hormone that makes us like grow muscle, right? That's that's where the hyperplasia comes from is from having higher IGF levels. I I don't see it translating though. I just I don't. <laughs> And the way I understood it is that that with dosing direct IGF LR3 that that you will build up antibodies or something along those lines, and that's the reason why you mm-hmm. don't want to go crazy with it. You keep the doses lower. So I think it was like I would do 30 micrograms for a week, and then 60 micrograms for a week, and then and then stop for a week or something along those lines. Yeah, and getting back, I think that. The reason why, at least in my time frame, when I was younger and using it, that I thought it was going to be like this next level compound for me that was going to get me to another place was knowing that compounds like straight IGF-1, Incrolex, you know, knowing that some of these top pros like Nasser, for instance, was famous for using a lot of it. He's also no longer here today, which might, you know, also be something to said about it. But, um, you know, I think I was in my mind expecting something similar to that. And I think it was also, it was also uh, presented as like this next big thing. This, right, this, like it was. You get, you know, yeah, and I think a lot of the peptide manufacturers did a really good job of promoting their products that way. And um, and I think you know stuff goes, stuff happens in cycles in our sport. You know, we're talking yeah. about comp- other compounds that we've already kind of shut the door on for a number of years, or different theories, or different ways to do cycles. Um, I think it's just kind of coming around full circle again. And, and I do know that like some good guys are doing videos. Uh, I read a comment that vigorous Steve did a video on, um, IGF LR three, I believe okay. I haven't seen it, but I did read one of our comments on YouTube that someone had mentioned it. I'm I didn't keen see to that. watch it. I want to, yeah, yeah and, I, I want to look that up and see. Also too, though, I think that like Steve's perspective isn't always like, Hey, this is what's going to work for you. But to say like, hey, here's some theoretical stuff and here's what some science says and here's what this this should do. But, you know, and and I don't know if he's giving it his seal of approval. You know, I I would say, like I said, I saw some additional fullness and the way I tried to use it was stacking it with growth hormone. My thought was is 
to, to use it to try to get my, my IGF levels even higher. And at the time we weren't yeah. doing testing and stuff like that. So I hadn't yeah. looked, I'd be curious if any of our listeners are using IGF. Um, I'd be curious to know, like, what are your IGF levels and, and what are you seeing out of it? I think there's something to it, but I don't think it's worth it. The other thing is this, that, and this goes along with growth hormone to an extent, you know, Dr. Rhonda Patrick had done a ton of research on, uh, on IGF and just IGF alone. She said that, uh, you know, there was, there, there were mice studies that, that showed that these mice would age more rapidly there mm-hmm. if they had high IGF levels that they would have a better quality of life but their lives would be shorter so it's a mm-hmm. trade-off is what she called it the IGF trade-off is that if you have low IGF levels you'll live longer but you won't have as much muscle mass you won't be able to carry yourself through the world to the same extent that you can with high levels but these lives were shorter Dr. Eric Serrano had talked about it once saying that that so so when we take, normally we have cells in our bodies that mutate and when they mutate, our bodies recognize that and they die versus mm-hmm. uh, if, if that cell continues to grow, then that's called cancer. So our bodies know to just X that out. But if we have enough IGF in our system, that IGF may make a cell that would have mutated and died continue to grow while it's mutating. Mm-hmm. And, and that it, when we take growth hormone, through the cascade of hormones that occur uh, to create that that IGF, that that IGF, the way he put it, was something about like having a series of checks and balances. That mm-hmm. that if, that that IGF will have a series of checks and balances. Whereas if you just use IGF unfettered on its own, then you know you're just you just you you don't have that same protective mechanism in play. I'm not a scientist. I'm not trying to present this as if I am, but I can tell you that somebody who's really smart did say that, you know. I would be interested uh, for one of uh, your next muscle minds, you guys, you and Scott, to dive into this topic. Because um, me and him have had some good conversations, mostly him teaching me uh, about, um, you know, growth hormone, the different, you know, um, um, you know, molecular weights, all that kind of stuff. But then also I, I would love to hear his point or his, his view on, IGF LR3, IGF DES, you know, if he used it, if, um, and the yeah. science behind it, you know, I'd be um, interested in that too. If he, if he has any insight into it, we did get asked this on the last episode too. Uh, is there, this is Katrina. She said, is there more benefit to women with IGF? Um, I mean, like well, for, IGF or IGF LR3. I guess. Yeah, I guess what was your answer last episode? Because she might not have heard it and others might not have heard that either. Was growth. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just trying to think, though, why there if if and why there would be a more beneficial um, use for, you know, IGF or IGF related products for women over men. Um Maybe because, of, you know, what we alluded to in that last episode, you know, most women do not want masculinizing side effects. They do, want, do not want virilization, PEDs, you know, all the, all the anabolic androgenic steroids could potentially cause that. Whereas, you know, your IGF, your growth hormones, your insulin, other peptides, they don't have those, those characteristics of side effects. So right. there could be a place for them, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's a reason why maybe 
beyond the side effect thing, why they might respond to it better than, than a male would. And off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, but I, but you better believe I'm going to start thinking about this more and doing some research later on. So maybe we'll follow up on that one down the road. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear, like you said, I'd be curious if Scott's with us, Scott, this is a call to you, man. Cause I, I think that we could use some insight and the community could too, cause there is a lot mm-hmm. of question going on around this. Um, we do have a bunch of listener questions, though, and we have a bunch of them. Uh, you going to say something else, though? I was going to say if someone wanted to send me a whole bunch of LR3, I'll, I'll run it again and give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I should also say when I was using it back then, I was using insulin and growth hormone and, you know, a good yeah. amount of PEDs at the same time. So it's just hard to say, like, did it do? I guess the only way to really get this right would be to maybe just do a TRT level of testosterone and then incorporate it after you have a baseline set of growth and how you're looking and everything, incorporate it and see if you see any changes, you know? Yeah. And Katrina, yeah, we talked about that on the last episode saying growth hormone. We, you know, we, we aren't sure about IGF LR3, but I will say that growth hormone in itself, I mean, that that is going to be, because she was saying she was thinking about how males can smash androgens when uh, okay, women that's need to be more from. careful. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yep, 100%. Uh, I'll just grab some listener questions here. We'll ramp through these guys. By the way, uh, if you enjoy our content, hit the subscribe button and uh, ring the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. So this guy says, uh, I don't compete, and I've always done my mass phases with all tools, food, hard training, and PED cycles. But when it come, when I come off, turns into maintenance pray I don't lose gains phase so I don't uh, change my food enough to burn a large amount of fat so would it be better to do like a competing bodybuilder to have an off season where you push the food training and stay on TRT dose um, and then do a cut and push the PEDs at that time so do the cycle while lower calories in TRT uh, during massing. It seems like competitors really transform their bodies post-show and become more refined with the more shows they do. I think um, this person would be like a good mentee for um, Skip because Skip always, you know, if, if you talk to him about his personal um, approach to bodybuilding, he's kind of always in what he would call like a pre-contest type phase in terms of how he structures his diet. You know, he cardiovascular is kept in. He stays very lean. Um, I know he's told us he's either all the way in or he's all the way off. You know, like if, yeah. he, if he's if he's not doing bodybuilding for a while, he's not taking PEDs. He's going to the gym haphazardly. He's not tanning, which is a big one for him. Um, it is a like, big mental it, thing it, for him, isn't it? Like, I think when he tans, just like, it's like it, it gets him thinking about his physique, doesn't it? Tanning, it's just part of his program of being yeah. a bodybuilder. And, and and when he's on, he's on, he's doing that, right? Uh, and why I think that he'd be a good, this person would be like a good mentee or Skip would be a good mentor for him is because it sounds like this guy, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but he's losing a lot of his progress as soon as he goes off because he's not doing something right with his diet or his approach. And... And I don't know how old he is. I don't know if he said that. Did he? Uh, I don't think he did. Let me see if I can pull that back up. No, I, but I got the vibe he wasn't he, young. That's what that, that's where I'm going with it too. Um, it sounds like he probably needs to stay 
more in a phase where he looks like a bodybuilder in terms of, you know, he's got separation and shoulders and pecs and, and arms and, and clear lines in his abdominals. And I think he'd be a lot happier long-term and, and maybe pushing food during his mass phase doesn't mean pushing food to the extent that he has previously. He might only stay within 10 pounds of, you know, where he would consider like an in shape look, but he's also not having to drop, you know, 20, 30 pounds or not lose that weight and see some of the muscle mass decrease as he goes off cycle and then feel like he's just kind of spinning his wheels and, and not necessarily progressing year to year. I think he's saying that he's not losing fat. He, he never really gets into – He, I think he's wondering if um, I might be – so he said, yeah, when I'm done with my mass faces, I don't lose gains. Oh, I, okay. is the way he worded it. But I, the, the vibe I get to is he's wondering that if he were to diet down and like when, do a full-blown like cut cycle, that if that may okay. help his future, because then he's seeing these guys who compete, they end up looking more okay. refined as they progress. Okay. So then why doesn't he maybe structure his his diet or his, his, his plan like in the course of a year? He's got his mass phase where he's running cycle, training hard, training heavy, um, PEDs, eating all the food. And then he has a maintenance phase, right? And which is also his clean out phase. Yeah. And then he runs his next phase as more of a contest prep, just just like you're doing a contest. Like, like you know, let's say you got a 15 week cycle, a 10 week cruise, and then you go into another 15 week cycle. But this 15 week cycle is more in a, a caloric deficit, cardiovascular compounds might change a little bit with the goal of getting tighter, leaner, drier, harder. Um, and then he can kind of go through that full experience. It, so it sounds like that's what he's missing is he's not using PEDs while he's while dieting, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, he doesn't really think too much of the diet phase. He he gets focused. He focuses on growing, and then he stops yeah. and he's like just kind of like blah. Yeah, I'll be the first to say I think my best progress is in a contest prep. You yeah. know, I didn't really hit the PEDs all that hard in the off seasons. I mean, here and there over the years, but especially as I got older, I was more of like a 300 test, 300 primo all off season. And then 20 weeks out from a contest, that's when I would really start ramping things up. And, um, and I felt like I grew my best in several different phases from like maybe 12 weeks out to like six weeks out. I could just see myself volumizing. And then we I always had to go through a phase where I felt like I shriveled right up just to get yeah. all that last bit of yeah. fat off. But, yeah. but once we're in shape and then we might, you know, bump the growth hormone up or we might change the compounds a little bit and be in a position to add food, I felt like I had a whole nother volumization phase where I stayed just as tight and the scale might go up like seven, eight, nine pounds, but and it was all just visually muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and think yeah. about when you get to that phase where like you, you know everything's going to the muscle think about you get to that mm -hmm. phase and then you have like a big meal and you just like boom mm. fills you out you visually see your sponge yeah, yeah yeah you really are and i do think that you become more receptive at that time you know i, I pulled this mm -hmm. picture up a, a, a little recently and i just sent it to a client today because we were talking about about how you don't necessarily need to be in a huge surplus to grow muscle now this guy mm -hmm. uh good friend of mine vache he's, he's not a huge guy natural men's physique competitor this mm -hmm. is oh yeah the, the left was before a contest prep before he mm -hmm. started dieting the right is i think it was like seven weeks or eight weeks post, mm -hmm. post diet now keep in mind this guy had to diet hard he generally has to go to keto but this was a before and after contest, a probably similar body fat composition, I'm guessing, but uh, maybe agree. a little bit leaner, you know. But I mean, he definitely yeah. looks like he, he recomped in the process, you know. 
Oh, I mean, he's got a he's got a bulging tricep. You can see all three heads of the deltoid. Um, whereas before, it's just kind of like a, a uni arm, I guess. Yeah. For lack of better word, just pack changed. Um, yeah, no, yeah. This looks like a really good phase for him. Um, you know, you and know, that and was he, and he did it during his contest prep. Yeah, because I mean, we know that that didn't happen in the like six weeks post show or whatever. You know, exactly. But, but you yep. do get to see it fill out. You know, like after the show, that's when you're able to eat enough. Where now you now you really see. I, I feel like I always made a lot of progress in in contest. There's no question about it. So, I mean, there's also something to be said about you know people taking everything 100% seriously yes. when they're in prep because they know they're going to be judged three quarters of the way naked on a stage in front of their friends, family, people they know. So you know they're not missing a meal. They're not adding to their meals. They're they're hitting every step. They're hitting every cardio session. They're training like you know like they're going to be judged. So it, there is something to be said about that as well. But um, but yeah, I still think that I did my best growing during during contest preps. All right, now I think that's something to be to be aware of for everybody listening that's focusing on trying to grow as much muscle as they can being, you know, being responsive. Like think about that insulin sensitivity that you have to have Mm -hmm. in that phase. I think that that's a big part of it too, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. This is kind of a, uh, we're going to take a different spin on this one. This is uh, Mm a, Andrew took a a screen cap of this post that was in our group. uh, And and, uh, the poster had said he skipped leg day for the last 10 years and it was a picture he took of some random dude out on the streets and the guy obviously doesn't have any legs but i know you had kind of an interesting spin on this topic andrew yeah and and, and i don't want to beat up i think it's bohan i, I yeah. hope i'm saying that right uh because other people in the group did and they were a little bit more aggressive about it and uh, my stance was i just wanted to remind him and other people that might you know take shots at people that aren't in our bodybuilding world that not everybody cares about muscle not everyone wakes up every day thinking, how am I going to put another inch on my arms? How am I going <laughs> to hit the gym today? You know, we kind of live in our bubble with, you know, my Instagram's full of bodybuilders and, and, and phys- physique athletes. So that's what I see. But then yeah. also like in the real world, you know, you go to a shopping market, the majority of people are overweight and whatever. Sure. Would they like to be bodybuilders or would they like to quote unquote build their bodies? Um, absolutely. But it's just not a priority to priority level to them like it is to us and yeah. i don't think we should like be taking pot shots at him like now if it's your buddy and like he just got shit calves and and you guys been training together for years and it's something you've been joking around together about for years that's one thing right yeah but um i just think taking pictures of random people in public and and you know making fun of them for their lack of leg development when hey this kid this guy might have a spinal injury he or like i said he might just not give a damn about building his body up at all you know um not everyone has the same priority structure that we do in terms of how we go about life yeah now if the dude had like a light heavyweight upper body and no legs then we could rip on him you know what i mean that's (laughs) yeah if he's walking around in a tank top and he's got these bulging chest and shoulders and then these sticks for legs that that would be more appropriate absolutely absolutely here's a fun one from mike hatch and this is from patreon thank you guys for patreon appreciate all your support um he says uh whatever show this works for i think it'd be great for us how about facial hair for competition or clean shaven doesn't matter and he also asks uh using a pump formula before going on stage if so how much time before you go up thanks for all the info Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the facial hair one, I don't think really matters all that much, as long as it's like kept, right? We're not talking wild man beard that's covering most of your chest, but like if most people have like, like, like what Scott has right here. Yeah. No or ask Chris Bumstead. Yeah. I was just going to say Bumstead or like even Nate, you know, Nate had, he's yeah. got a full beard when he goes on stage, it's manicured or whatever you want to call it. It's trimmed up all nice. Um, it's not, you know, it's not distracting. I think things that are distracting from your physique, that's what kind of um, might mark you down. And, and I'm thinking more of like tattoos. Like if you have a tattoo, a full arm tattoo, and you're doing your side chest on that arm tattoo side, it is going to blur some of the conditioning a little bit yeah. or like guys that have their whole back just done up and you can't see the, the level of conditioning that they brought um, because of the obscurity of, of, of the, of the tattoo ink. Um, I think that's more of an issue than, than a trimmed beard or even a weird hairstyle. You know, so you see some crazy people do some weird hairstyles, these crazy Mohawks or, yeah. or whatnot. You always uh, see like the one woman with pink hair, you know, that's uh that's, that's competing. Yeah. There's always going to be the one lady that has the pink hair. And sometimes it can, like for her, it might work for her. Like she might be completely jacked and like pull it off. It's like part of her look, you know? Yeah. I think it depends on what class you're into. Like, yeah, like, I don't, I have yet to see a, a, a women's bikini competitor win a pro card. I think with, with pink hair, you know? Yeah. Um, now if you're a women's physique competitor and a lot of girls have like that shaved size yes. thing and, you know, that kind of fits your personality. It fits the look you're bringing. Um, I think that's fine. Um, yeah. And then yeah, on the pump product. I'm with you. I'll yeah, add to with the, you mentioned tattoos. Have you ever noticed mm -hmm. sometimes when people try to cover them up, they make it even worse? It, well, you're putting another layer on the physique, right? Yeah. And this goes with also like putting too much tanner on, putting too much oil on. You're putting another layer on the physique, which can obscure that conditioning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see it all the time when someone does it. That's why I tell guys not to do it. Yeah. Girls, especially in like the softer classes where, you know, that level of hardness isn't the same as say a men's classic physique or men's physique or bodybuilder needs to bring. Right. I would tend to say, yeah, it's, it might be a good idea if it's just a really wacky tattoo that draws your attention away from the flow of the physique on a guy though. I tend to say, don't, don't try to do the cover up thing. Yeah. I'd agree with you. So you had that other one about the uh, pump formula. You, you're going to dive into that next. Yeah. Do you, do you use a pump formula? I never before? have needed to. I've had people who've mm -hmm. had one and, I, I, we did the Michigan State the other week, a couple of weeks ago. I had a client in that, and he was like, hey, I got this pump formula with me. You know, if you think we need it. And and I was like, okay, cool. And I was open-minded to it. Like, if I felt like backstage, it looked like we could use it, I'd be totally down to add it. But I, I didn't feel like we needed it. You know, I felt like mm -hmm. we got him where we needed to be without it. Um, I wouldn't be against it, but it hasn't been something that I'm like, you got to use this. Yeah. Yeah. My stance on it is like, A, I don't want to introduce something like that. The that like That's not going to be the first time you're taking that product in this prep, right? We, I want to know that if you drink that product, it, you're not going to suddenly have like gastric distress or something like that. So it's, it's something that's been, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's something that's been part of their protocol, you know, pre-workout. Um, I do want a non-caffeinated one. Yeah. Um, I want, um, you know, the regular stuff, agmatine sulfate and, um, arginine and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, I use, and I have clients I recommend, um, if they've been using it during prep, uh, granite supplements, vasoblast, it's a non-stim okay. workout uh, product. Um, but then more frequently what I will do is have people be using, um, Cialis, uh, oh, for the pump. yeah, I'd go there and this, 
Yeah, and this is more part of their protocol daily already as it is, you know, 10 milligrams of Cialis a day, also good for keeping your blood pressure in check, but also just getting that nasty pump in the gym. Um, I, I would be more apt to just use the Cialis first and then Cialis and the Vaso or, or, or a pump product if that's something they've been using. But again, I think like what you said, when you're backstage with that person and you're seeing them, you're like, what are we going to, what are we going to prove on? You're already pumped. Everything looks the way we want it to look. I don't think we're going to get any more pumped up or fuller using this product. You're, you're vascular. Everything's popping. Um, I agree with you. It's more of like a game time situation. We did add a half a cookie in about 15 minutes Ooh. before he we went out. I was like, he had these mm -hmm. cookies and I was, and they were like the shortbread cookies with like the thick frosting on them. And uh, he had them for after the show. And I was like, you know what? He looked like he needed just a little more, just a little more, something fast, you know? So I was how, like, many, hey. how many did you have? I, I ate two, I think. <laughs> I was like, I was like, eat a half of one of those cookies and uh, get me one of those too. <laughs> yeah. They're good cookies, yeah. by the way. It, Thank you, Justin. Isn't it funny? Um, isn't it funny what what pops out of the arsenal bag when uh, when you're backstage <laughs> with a client? You're like, I didn't tell you to bring those, but yeah, yeah okay, you can throw. Yeah, have, have a half of that donut or have you know. Yeah, it is funny. You can always count on competitors to to have bring some of their goodies backstage because maybe they're going to eat them as soon as they get off stage, or yeah. maybe we could use it be before we bring you out there. You know what? Too, I'll say is I I remember Mike Davies saying that like any food that you eat, you see people that are eating a bunch of food backstage, and it's not going to make any difference. You know that food's going to take all that time to transit. I do think there's an element of keeping your blood sugar up. And I think yes. that you can with with fast acting carbs. I do think that you can make a difference in that last fifteen minutes. I really do. Um, yeah, well, I, with what Mike Davies is saying, I would agree if we were talking about like a chicken and rice meal, right? Yeah, which is yeah. much more complex, or you know, steak and potato. Yeah, that should have been consumed two to three hours before you know getting on stage absolutely and you will be digesting that hours later it's not going to touch you on stage but i agree with you like simple things rice crispy treats um candy even uh the classic you know what rice john cake. Meadows used yeah the rice cakes even you know um john meadows was big on nutrigrain bars he he loved Ooh. doing nutrigrain bars uh yeah. for himself because you know he, he had a really uh you know, his digestive system wasn't great. So he yeah. found that those worked really well for him. And so that's what he would, uh, he would eat backstage. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. It's a good question. That was a fun one. Let's see what yeah. else we got here. Another one. Jason Franklin says, um, let's hear the BSG guys talk on pull-ups, traditional wide grip hammer or neutral grip, um, and close grip or what I've always called the chin up. Um, form suggestions any benefits over just using the lat pull down machine with different bars bands to increase rep range well i think nine out of ten people that train with weights are probably going to go towards that lat pull down simply because it does feel like an easier exercise right um and that's not to say that pull-ups don't have a place in your training in terms of like the width of your arms and and this goes for pull downs as well. Um, I've seen a bunch of studies where in terms of the activation of the muscle being used, it didn't really make that much of a difference. If your hands were, I'm going to, I'm showing for people that are listening, you know, 10 inches apart versus 15 inches apart versus 16, 18 inches apart. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a conflicting study out there that shows the opposite, but that's, yeah. that's probably, 
that's the latest one I read at least, and it was a couple of years back. Um, so, for, so when people are programming, whether it's pull ups or pull downs, I tell them to go with the arm position, the hand position that feels uh, most comfortable on their shoulders. Because a lot of us, as we're older, we have shoulder impingement issues. You know, trying to do something ultra wide. It just doesn't feel right. It scrapes. It just, it just doesn't feel good. Um, I tend to go with basically just a straight shoulder width grip. Now, in terms of bands and doing pull-ups, I absolutely love to use bands when I do pull-ups. And it's not to make it easier. It's not to get more reps. It's so that my feet stay directly underneath me. Because hmm. as you watch people do their sets, you know, their feet start to swing forward more. And they're almost doing more of like a partial row um, as, oh, as they're yeah. pulling versus going straight up and down. So I use the band because it allows me to keep my feet straight underneath me. And yes, I do get more reps doing it that way too. Of course. Don't tell of course. We used to do, uh, when we trained uh, at Royal Oak Gym, Shelby's crew with uh, uh, doing John Meadows programs. When John was sending the programs out, John had like mm -hmm. this, like, uh, I don't know what he called it, but it was like the pull up of death gauntlet or, you know, something crazy like that. Oh, yeah. Where you, you I, I can't remember if it was like six sets i think yeah yeah okay so it was it was two sets wide we, and we used the yeah. assisted pull up so that you could keep your feet straight under you uh mm -hmm. and you get a full stretch so think it yes. imagine dangling off a bridge okay that's what you want to look like at the at, you know at the full stretched position dangling off mm -hmm. a bridge and then you pull all the way up we'd pull up to the point you could look over the machine and then control mm -hmm. the negative down right It'd be two sets wide, two sets medium or closer, and then two sets with like the, the inner grip, which was kind of like a hammer grip. And man, by the yep. time you're done with those six sets, I guarantee you that my lat would be spasming two hours later when I was driving home mm -hmm. from the gym. Let me add to that because me and me and John and I think Justin Randall with us did that same workout one time. And um, but at the end of every set, let's say we did eight reps. You had to hold at the midway point, and then he came behind you and pulled down for like oh, ten wow. seconds. Oh god, that was like, yeah, that was brutal. That was, but that was a fun workout. Um, you just feel like your lats are tearing even without somebody pulling on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. I like that. Um, what else do we have here? Got a bunch more. Okay, question from uh, Nick over on Patreon. He says, uh, "Question for the next drugs and stuff." And or BSG, I have two people using cream for TRT and HRT. Um, uh, with both of them, they have labs showing the effectiveness of the cream decreasing over the course of a year. At about six months, we double the dose. Then at the last set of labs, one year, uh, one at a year and the other at nine months it's showing that testosterone levels are lower than ever the one at hrt is a woman and her estradiol cream also seems to be not working as her estradiol is 22 test won't read at all uh, below 12. my buddy on trt's test dropped to 170 natural he's like 265. um so that's interesting. Um, now, well, a couple things pop into my mind. Maybe there's some variation in the dosing of the creams that they're using in terms of um, uh, the efficacy. Like, are they thinking they're getting a 10 milligram preparation, but due to some compounding issues, they're really getting a five milligram preparation, right? Oh, yeah. um, 
that's more unlikely, but I just want to throw that out there. Uh, maybe where they're putting the creams is not absorbable uh, for them. Um, and I would also offer a solution. I, I'd be I'd be interested to know why, because I assume these these people are doing TRT. They're working with a doctor because most most underground PED purveyors don't offer creams, so they must be working through a clinic. How has the clinic um, treated this, and 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 why are they? Why did they not change the protocol? And by change it, I mean why didn't they add? Um, maybe why didn't they go to like a troche? Um, a lot of HRT companies use like these troches you put in your mouth underneath your tongue. Oh yeah. Um, why? Aren't, yeah. Why? Why aren't they maybe possibly doing injections? Um, and then also suppositories. You know, I've got a lot of women on. Um, on hormone therapy and a lot of them see the best results by doing um vaginal suppositories which yeah. um you know the lining of the skin is much more absorbable there than rubbing a cream on so that that's kind of be, be the advice i would give them to switch up the, the the mode of delivery um i can't really think why their their levels have dropped so much like that guy it seems like his his testosterone it's the lowest it ever was at 170 you know in pre pre-HRT he was 265 I think it said that's um that's yeah it doesn't make sense does it no um yeah it doesn't make sense all right well I would I would talk to a different HRT company actually is what I would there you go uh Ted says last episode of BSG uh, when talking about insulin Andrew mentioned how being insulin sensitive contributes to an ideal situation for muscle growth just wondering if any of you have seen metformin to be enough to help put someone into that type of situation. I realize everyone uh, will respond in a unique way. Just wondering if any of you have seen that happen. Thanks. Um, I mean, I, we've kind of always, we've gone over and I think we're in pretty much agreement about our feelings towards metformin. Um, I don't tend to use it with people anymore unless someone says, I have these positive effects and I don't get any of the negative side effects, negative side effects being the rapid gastric entry, uh, emptying nausea. Um, and then physically like a flatter kind of, um, I just call it a flatter look like they, the, like the muscle just doesn't look pumped. You know, th that's my experience with it. Uh, in terms of improving insulin sensitivity, it still could absolutely be doing that. Um, but then exerting these negative side effects. So, uh, I mean, I, I would tend to use berberine before I would use um, uh, metformin. And these days I would be more apt to investigate using semaglutide instead of using metformin for the, for, uh, for insulin sensitivity purposes in this case. Or I would just diet them harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, I think that there's going to be an element of just getting, you know, going through the work of doing the diet, I, you mm -hmm. know. I, I think that's it because it takes time. You know, I mean, I've, I've had, I've worked with people that, man, I work with a guy who he did an off season with a, a very well-known coach who works with a lot of pros, a lot of big pros. And mm -hmm. um, the guy pushed him up hard. Okay. The coach pushed him up hard. Uh, he got to, I think his heaviest maybe ever, but he was eating the most food he'd ever eaten ever. And he was like, hey, I want to diet down. He's somebody I know. We've known him. We have a good relationship. And we start dieting. And we realize, like, hey, this is not working, right? So we pull, you know, the game of, like, you got a lot of food in. And you pull it down mm -hmm. to what looks like you'll probably start making progress and nothing happens. So you're like, okay, well, okay. let's pull some more, right? Nothing happens. 
Man, I have a feeling we're going to have to pull a lot, but let's not do that right away. Let's just pull some more and see. You know, still nothing. Mm-hmm. Finally, we get to keto, and now he's making progress. And f- like now, fast forward a couple months, we're we're finally at a point where we added carbs back in to his pre workout meal, and now he's mm-hmm. lighting up. Like now, we're at a point where you know we did that for a little while, things were going good. Now we got another carb meal in, and now he's lighting up. Mm-hmm. But it literally took two months or so, maybe more. Of, of really trying to work hard at, you know, just getting into shape before he could get there. And this is probably because the coach just pushed without any thought towards insulin sensitivity that whole time. It's just driving lots of food, lots of food, yeah. lots of food, yep. you know. So, but I guess my point is, too, is that, and the guy, he's diabetic as well, by the way, type 1. Uh, okay. And, and he's at a point now where, get this, man, he is so insulin sensitive that now that we're adding carbs back in, he's having a hard time dosing his insulin because he needs so little yeah isn't that crazy like he's overshot yeah. it to the point where he needed to consume like 70 additional carbs just to catch it uh and get it back yeah, in that, order that reminds me of um th- there's a diabetic female that i worked with for a number of years and uh over the time like any contest prep it was very expected that we were gonna have to pull her basal insulin out you know yeah. like eight or ten weeks out just because we get her super insulin sensitive and and then next thing you know she's just microdosing, um you know her novolog or, or humalog you know with the carb meals that we do do and even then half a lot of times we, she would overshoot and we're not talking we're talking she'd take like two units of insulin right, and like, right. She'd be like oh i'm going i'm going hypo like i need to take my glucose tabs you know yeah um, yeah interesting Needless to say, after he overshot it and had to carb up, he looked very full, you know, the next check-in. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said also about sometimes when you hire, like, a big-name coach, they don't pay attention to stuff like that, at least not with, like, their non, you know, top pro clients because I think we both probably tend to get a lot of people that have they tried it with like one of these big name coaches oh, yeah. that works with so-and-so Olympian. And, you know, yeah, this approach might have worked for – that person who's is an Olympian, if you got eyes on them and you're checking them, you know, twice a week. But some of these people, I find like they would send a check in and they wouldn't get a response for two weeks from from some of these people. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. That might be actually the same person if we may have talked about this before. Uh, yeah, off the air. Um, let's see. Nevin says, um, how often should one train forearms, assuming they aren't a legging body part, but would like to bring them up a little? Rep range, favorite exercises, does general grip uh, strength training build forearm size? Awesome show. Question mark. Awesome show? Question mark. I think he meant exclamation point, but we'll, we'll give him that. Yeah, well, yeah he's Canadian. <laughs> we won't, we won't uh, we'll hold it against him. <laughs> Um, so have you cared about your forearms all that much? Like, has it been a major focus of like the same way calves were at time? Well, you don't train calves, but dude, you yeah, have to. I never touched them. I never did. And people commented too, cause I see them all the time, you know, cause I looked down mm-hmm. and, and I, I never thought they were big, but then people would tell me like, Oh no, you have really big forearms. I never did yeah. any direct work to them ever. Yeah. I mean, I always program at least one of my bicep exercises is going to have, some component that's going to hit the forearms like some um, hammer variation or um, like a reverse curl while keeping your knuckles um, you know up the whole time so you're so it's contracted the whole time Um, but it hasn't been like this major focus I do remember doing DC I would I would definitely do a a forearm 
exercise. Oh, did you? Whatever Dante prescribed at the time. Yeah, it was, I mean, because you did your bicep, then you did your forearm, then you did your calves, hams, quads, in that order every time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm just reading this question. Assuming they aren't a lagging body part, but would like to bring them up a little. You know, I, I find the rep ranges kind of like calves. You can do a wide range of, of, um, of rep ranges. And I tend to like the 15 to 20 rep range on them a little bit more. Um, so that I walk away from the exercise feeling like they're bursting full of blood. You know? Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, like the other day I did arms and I did the reverse curls with a cable that I was just mentioning one arm at a time. And I do, I'll just go back and forth. I'll do like 20, 20, take 10 seconds or 10 deep breaths. And then I'll go to the other side and maybe I'll get like 18 reps with the same weight. And then the next time I might get like 15 reps, you know, and I like to do that with like those short rest periods, um, kind of similar to how I like to train my calves, hmm. just get as much blood in there as possible. Yeah. Uh, does general grip training build forearm size? Well, I've never seen a professional arm wrestler that doesn't have a wacky, wacky forearm to the point where like it's oh, twice yeah. the size of their uh, their other forearm, right? Yeah. Like, and their hands, they, their their hand muscles grow so so much too that it's like it almost looks like a mutant hand. I don't know if you've seen some of these guys up close, but when I used to work at GNC like 25 years ago, we had a professional in Vermont that used to come in yeah. and like. Oh, what's that character? It's like, I feel like there's an X-Men character that has like one bigger arm than the other. It was okay. like, this guy would put out his arm and shake your hand and your hand, even though I'm a big guy with a decent sized hand, I felt like it would just kind of like disappear in his hand and yeah. the bones would move when he yeah. shook my hand. Like, <laughs> and he wasn't even squeezing. He was just shaking hands, you know? Um, I know a couple of them yeah. um, and I, was it you and I, it was me and someone recently in the last, well, not super recently, last six months, we were talking about it, that those guys run a lot of gear. They, I did they, not know that. It wasn't yeah, me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the arm wrestlers, they they okay. run some serious gear. And I know a couple of them, and they'll ask me questions. And they're running gear like just like any bodybuilder would and using BPC for tendonitis in their elbows and all of that. Yeah, those guys hit it hard. I believe it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a sport that requires, you know, muscle strength and, and, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. I guess I never considered that population. I, I need to start getting my feelers out there for some new clientele. Yeah. Um, <laughs> branch out a little bit. The BPC seems like a great idea because we've heard of, um, who was it? Ian Valer was yeah. doing an arm wrestle. It was when he what broke his, uh, one of was the bones in his arm. I can't. Was it, oh yeah, it was his upper. Was it his upper? No, it was his forearm, wasn't it? Was it? A, it was something. Yeah, but I've heard of guys tearing. You know, either an infras or a supraspinatus, um, yeah. or a labrum, or even I think I heard about a bicep tear during a uh, an arm wrestle competition. So if you're a bodybuilder and you got big arms, bypass the people that say, "Oh, you want to arm wrestle," because. Um, Actually, yeah. one of my one of my one of my pros, she won a thousand bucks at a bar that she works at in an arm wrestling competition. I think it was like a huh. like ra round robin heat or something like that. And she, I think she was the top female, so she won. You know, all these guys tried to arm wrestle her and put money in the pool, and I think she said she won like a thousand bucks. Who to beat her? And then they end up losing. Yeah, it, That's exactly. great, man. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about Matt Blevins has one for us? She says. Um, how do you fight extreme fatigue while in a big deficit? I'm so tired, but I'm only on a 500 to 750 calories a day deficit. Uh, you put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> um, you know, 
I think if you can try to get as much of the hard stuff of the day done early, like mm. your cardio, um, you know, having that hang over your head sucks to have to do later in the day, especially if you have to do a double session, you know, after your, your training session or something like that. So yeah, I think getting your cardio out of the way, getting any of the major stuff you have to do earlier in the day when you're probably a little bit more alert, a little bit more awake. Yeah. Um, but really you kind of just got to go through it. You know, I mean, I know we've talked about this before when you're at that last stage of a contest prep, like maybe two weeks out and you're walking into work and like your legs don't feel like they're going to take another step. You're just like, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Like, like I'm out of it. Like this is bad. You're you just know? like jelly um, and your body feels heavy, you know? Yeah. And you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to train today. I don't know how I'm going to, this is when I was personal training. I don't know how I'm going to train these people like four clients back to back. Like, like, my legs feel like they're going to collapse at any time. Um, I really just think you got a like mental fortitude. You know, I always try to think about people that in history that have had like it much harder, like we're willingly choosing to eat less than we want to eat and do more calorie expenditure than we want to. I always think about like, I mean, this is kind of dark, but like, you know, the, the people that were prisoners in like Nazi Germany or, um, situations like that that are like being forced to do manual labor on like four or 500 calories a day and it's somehow like they, they were able fortitude. to yeah and they were like they, 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 were, they were able, able to, to if i can eat i thought that like ethiopians who are starving it's like if i can eat chicken yeah. six times a day i should be able to get this done you know what i mean that's what i said yeah <laughs> you know you know, you know what, i, I try to put it in perspective i think too we're looking at this as our diets i don't know what matt's diet is like because i mm-hmm. think that this is where i have I-F-F-Y-M could become more of an issue, right? You know, like our mm-hmm. when we have the less food we have in the diet, I think the more important the quality of those sources become, mm-hmm. you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if you're using even like if you're using a shake, you know, yeah, that's going to mm-hmm. empty out of your system a lot faster and you mm-hmm. might get an insulin spike from that shake, which is then going to drop and now your blood sugar's lower. So you might not even notice it. Maybe you feel good when you drink the shake, but how do you feel over the next several hours before your next mm-hmm. meal? You know, that's where yeah. I, you know, a lot of times and I found that where people are like, oh man, my energy is just really low. Well, where specifically? Yeah. And they're like, well, usually around three o'clock, I just, I'm dragging. Be like, well, your last meal was a shake. What if we try some solid food and it just yeah. balances you out? Being able to keep your blood sugar stable, I think is important. I'll throw that yeah, out. Yeah, that's a good idea. What about... Yeah. um? Uh, you ever use L-tyrosine? Sure. You know, I think that's a, that had always yeah. been a, a, a boost for me. I, I was mentioning on uh, It's Just Bodybuilding last episode, I think we we're talking about like diet tips, diet hacks. And okay. I used to like to, when I was dieting hard, I would have a cup of green tea, which has a little caffeine mm-hmm. in it too, you know, 50 milligrams. Yep. And, your EGCGs, you know, for your free radicals and all that. And, and I uh, mm-hmm. get some true nutrition. Uh, you can get it anywhere though. Uh, L tyrosine, big old bag of it was like five bucks. And yeah, I take, you know, take a scoop of it. It's flavorless. I'd mix it in my green tea and drink that. And it's an mm-hmm. anti fatigue agent is what mm-hmm. I would consider it. It, um, it helps to stimulate the same receptors that you need for uh, you know, for for using uh, norepinephrine and dopamine, yep. you know, as well as like clen and any other stimulant that you're taking, it's going to make those things more effective. So I found that that can be helpful. Plus, I know it's really good for your thyroid as well to ensure that you have good thyroid production, right? So that could be mm-hmm. a, a good a good tool to also possibly get a little fat loss. And I think it has. Uh, for some people, an, an appetite suppressing effect. Yep. 
Absolutely. I would even go one step further and add a little bit of lion's mane to that um, cocktail. And I think you'll you'll kind of snap yourself out of fatigue and poor me and it'll be like, okay, I can do this. And now, I never took it. I've never taken really? lion's mane. Dave and I were, Dave Crossland and I were just talking about it recently. I saw a picture of what it looked like. Have you ever seen what lion's mane looks like? Oh, it's like a freaky looking mushroom. It's yeah. It, I'll have to, it's I'll like pull a lion's mane. Yeah. 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 It really um, is. But tell me about your experience think, with it. I think I learned about it, uh, probably from Shelby, like maybe 10 oh, years yeah, ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I contacted him about it and asked him, you know, what, what his thoughts were and where he was sourcing it from. And so I tried the same brand and, um, I was just taking the, it's a company called OM and it comes in a powder. It kind of tastes a little nutty, um, but not in a bad way. And you can add it to other drinks or you could just, you know, put in a scoop of water and drink it. It's kind of like drinking like a, like a nutty dirt earthy kind of thing. Yeah. That's, huh. that's the plant or that's the, that's the mushroom. And, um, I found now my favorite way to take it is with just a little bit of caffeine because I feel like you get very focused um, energy and very focused. Um, you're just very mentally acute and very like you're, you're very focused. You can you can you can get rid of you can knock down your your to do list like kind of like Adderall I guess yeah, yeah. but yeah. without like being like all crazy you know um, yeah I felt like that but but yeah I'll take it on its own too um, and just get some mental acuity out of it and. I think it kind of like decreases your feelings of, um, well, if you're feeling like poor me in a moment, yeah. I feel like that kind of goes away. Huh. Uh, like, oh, why do why do I got to do this extra cardio, or why do I have to eat this chicken without carbs, or whatever it might be? Yeah, of course I'm relating everything back to bodybuilding because that's been my experience with it. But it's kind of like it just makes everything a little easier, and it doesn't have any negative side effects. So okay, well, here's the thing: is somebody wrote us on that show about anxiety and so mm -hmm. i guess that there's a i think his name is ryan russo he's a youtuber he, he has okay. like a whole series about how he got terrible side effects from it and okay. then uh dave was like i've never heard that and then his wife was in the background she's like yeah i got that i got really bad anxiety from lion's mane so i guess it's not for everyone but uh, okay. you know i guess yeah. i would look at what dosing they were doing sure and, um, sure i would also investigate same way like we look at say like ashwagandha like the different variants like ksm 66 shodan yeah um, um there's another one i can't remember off the top of my head now but um a sensorial like is there a particular part of the plant with the um, active ingredient that your body processes a little differently the brain processes a little differently the liver processes a little differently is That's there some point. aspect to that um, that might be, but I had great experiences always with the, the OM brand. Um, I think it called, it stands for like one, I don't know what it stands for. It's OM and okay. uh, they have pills and they have, um, a powder and I always did the powder. And, okay. um, I will say though, like I, I can understand about the anxiety thing because I think I told you guys, I was experimenting with, um, uh, what's that compound? Uh, it was used for Parkinson's over over in Europe. Um, oh, now my brain, I just had it in my head and I lost it. But anyway, I depleted levels of something else in my brain. And when I was trying to counteract them to to correct everything, hmm. it was, it was a nootropic, right? Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it escapes my memory. One of the popular right ones like no A mm, little bit more obscure. Um, okay. Um, let me think real quick. I'm going to type real quick. Um, All right. Well, actually, 
I've had well, some good and bad experience nah. with nootropics, but a, a good new. You know, some people are considering L-tyrosine as a nootropic. I've seen it used in formulas and stuff. I could, I could see it being in that category. Uh, Huperzine A is one that I've had good experiences with. Um, we had some old podcasts on the network. If you guys wanted to check it out, uh, it was called A Focus on Nootropics. We were sponsored for a little while by a company called Azoth that made a nootropic product. And there is like uh, getting alpha GPC in there with uh, other compounds uh, like phenylparacetam, getting the right balances of them. I'm saying names so that maybe one of those might jump out at you. Yes, you just said it. Phenylparacetam. Uh, it was one of the race. It what was are the one of the rest okay, okay. There's like six of them, right? Yeah, there's and a bunch I, from what I, I see. Escaped. Yeah, I think it was like paracetam or it was one of them, right? Okay. And I just went too deep on that stuff. And at the same time, it um, it pulls choline levels down. Oh, in your brain. yeah, yeah, okay. So, so I had to recorrect that. But the problem, because I wasn't sleeping at all. But then I think I overdid it on the choline. And yeah. in my mind, it felt like... I felt like I was listening to a rock band, not actually hearing noise, but like just that kind of activity in my brain for like oh three days to where I couldn't go to work. I couldn't sleep. Like it took like a good three, four days before I felt like fairly normal again. Holy crap. Yeah. I think that's what Prady was talking about was making sure that you combined it with a choline to get the, cause I found too, like I'd get a headache from one nootropic, but then if I combined it with a different one, that would make up for that, I would have a better experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to be careful when you play around with uh, the nootropics because, like I just said, you might be pulling something out of your brain that your brain needs a certain level over that, and then you're trying to recorrect that, and you might overdo it. In my case, yeah. um, you just got to be careful. You know what? I have um, – I've got a couple nootropics here, actually. I have uh, some N-acetyl-C-Link and some N-acetyl-C-Max. Now, the C-Link is great, man. I found I overdid it the first week. Yeah, and we could wrap the show up here pretty soon. But uh, after this conversation about nootropics, I overdid it the first week. I started using it every day and I took way too much. And I started feeling like super detached from my life. It wasn't a good feeling. I had to stop. So I cleaned out completely, stopped altogether. And then a month later, occasionally I would use just 50 micrograms intranasal. It's a nasal spray here. And, um, and I'd do a test. I'd be like, okay, it's 10.52. I'm going to reevaluate in 10 minutes at 11.02 and see how productive I feel because I don't feel real focused right now. And then I'd start working. Every time I did that, I would forget to look at the clock because I was just so in I was in the zone, you know. That's so, awesome. That's the best feeling. It is. So now I have this uh, N-acetyl C-Max. I've only used it once, so the verdict's out. I don't know if it works the same for me, but they're supposed to be pretty similar. Uh, Amino Asylum was out of the C-Link at the time. By the way, use code THINK, guys, if you want to check it out, get some additional savings, support the podcast. But I've I've been a big fan of C-Link, man, for focus. Like, dude, it's been it's been really good You've for got me. me. Yeah, you've got me wanting to try it out now because, um, yeah. you know, I've read a little bit about it, but I've never actually talked to anyone that's used it. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy some. I'm definitely going to get some now. Yeah, I know Steve did a video on it a while back. So I watched his video, watched some other videos and stuff, and I, I'm definitely a big fan. It's good stuff. So if I, I, I'll, I'll give the C-Max a try again here this week. We'll see how my workload mm -hmm. is tomorrow. I think it's going to be pretty heavy. Uh, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get some C-Max in and see what, and let you guys know. Nice. So what do you got going on for uh, between now and the next show? The next show is two weeks from now. That'll be getting close to uh, next time we record, that is. 
That'll be getting close to uh, uh, Universe. You're traveling to that, aren't you? That'll be after the Universe, won't it? Because, let's see, if today's... I, I guess, yeah, it'll be next weekend. You're right. Next weekend's yeah, Universe. Wow. Yeah, we're Not right this up. weekend, but next yeah, weekend. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm flying up to New Jersey, I think, on that Wednesday. And okay. then, because I've got, it's either Wednesday or Thursday, I've got, you know, three girls and three guys in the show. Um, bikini classic men's physique and bodybuilding and then um nate's gonna be there he's got a couple clients in the show that's right and then uh and then he's 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 got someone driving his car down and all of his stuff down to florida because he's going to become a florida resident right down the road for me right after that trip only makes sense that only makes sense yeah yeah So, so yeah i'm looking forward to that you guys are doing a posing clinic together aren't you or, or, or clinic, uh, not a posing a, clinic, but a, yeah. It's a bodybuilding seminar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, when I do them, what I like to do is kind of feel the audience and ask them, like, what, what are you interested in learning about today? You know, because I can give a presentation on something, but it might not help anyone if, if they have yeah. specific questions or they. So I like to go into it being like, hey, what, what do you guys want to get out of this? We have, you know, 60, 70 shows between the three of us. We have, you know, I've been coaching hundreds, thousands of people. Nate's been coaching for a while now. Rachel's competed in all these years, you know. What, what are some things you want to, what are some topics you want to talk about? And and then we'll just dive right in. So that'd be fun to tell. Uh, when it, where is this? Yeah. What's going on? It's going to be up in Burlington, Vermont, South Burlington, Vermont for the NPC Vermont show. So we're going to be just kind of taking off right after prejudging, you know, competitors are welcome. People that are just watching people that are just want to show up just to see the seminar. They can walk in. It's free. That's free. Um, cool. Just kind of a, yeah, just kind of a service we're doing. Um, I've sponsored the Vermont show for a number of years now. Uh, Nate's was the guest poser last year and he's, he's won the Vermont show. I've done the show a bunch of times. That's uh, cool. So it's, it's just, yeah, I made a post saying, I think I've been to every single one except 2021 for John Meadows funeral, um, mm. dating back to like, I think like 2001 or, or maybe even before that, maybe 1999. Yeah, because it was like the one show I knew about in my in my community or in my area, you know, over the years before I had a car or even I'd get a ride with somebody, you know. That's like the Michigan State Championships has been for me. I'm lucky that it's like close to my home and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like that's my, you know, got a lot of got a lot of feels for that one. That one and I guess Central States, too. Both of those two shows are like my jam. Are those how many shows do they have? They have Michigan's. Uh, Michigan is a bunch now, man. We've got a bunch, yeah. and then Fuwad's doing a pro show here in uh, April. You should get. I saw uh, that. You should get Nate out here in April uh, if it works out health wise. Then absolutely, because you know he's. Uh, we're doing Vancouver, and then um, you know I'm not sure where his head's at. You know we'll see. We'll have to see where he's at because he's been dieting for you know a yeah. long time now. Yeah. Um, I think he feels pretty good, though. I think we got everything. We're, we're in a good place. Food's high. Things are going well. Um, we'll see where, he's, where his head's at. You know, um, see if we can like you know do a cruise and then get healthy and then and then get ready for yeah. yeah. The, the Depending mission. on what he needs, right? That'd be cool, though. That'd be fun. Yeah. Get you guys out here. It would be fun. Take you to uh, Highland Park, Detroit Powerhouse, the first powerhouse ever. You guys would dig that gym. It's pretty cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool for sure. Maybe we'll get Drea to come out and uh, hang out with us. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. I don't, I'm going to I shoot video with her. Us, yeah, we don't need people making us look small. I'm shooting video fat. with her for Mutant uh, this Saturday. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned to her that I knew you, that we did the podcast together, and she had nothing but great things to say about oh, you, too. When, when I... When I when was I met this? her at New York Pro. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
She was hanging out in the room where um, Nate was getting his tan done. And, okay. And they were trying to set up a deal to have her fly out to Arizona, I think, to like Dennis James's place to have him have this woman do Andrew's tan and maybe one of his other clients or people that he that he helps out. That's uh, right. For I think the, the Rising Phoenix show. So that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very nice woman. That's cool. Yeah. No, man. She's like. She's really legit too. That's who she like. Who you got? That's who she is with everybody, and it's who she was before she was Miss Olympia too. Like that's really just her personality. I believe it a hundred percent. Yeah, cool. All right, well, let's wrap this thing up, guys. If you want to get into any coaching with either of us, feel free to reach out. Uh, Skip's not here with us, so don't go to teamskip.com. We don't want you to. No, go go to teamskip.com. Get some coaching from Skip. You can go to bodyberry.com to reach out to Andrew. Hit me up, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. I'll send you all all my information about uh, you know different options, stuff like that. We can go from there. And, of course, check out our sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. We talked about some of their stuff today. Uh, and, of course, uh, what else do we have here? Supplementsource.ca. Lots of great deals you get week to week. And, um, of course, Patreon. You guys are awesome. A lot of the questions we had today were from Patreon. Appreciate all the support you guys are giving us, and thank you for uh, thank you for being there to keep this thing running. And uh, anything else, Andrew, that we need to tell everybody before we left? If anyone has positive experiences with uh, IGFLR3, the topic we let off with, please let us know your dosing protocol, how you ran it, and what you saw out of it. I, I, I'm always willing to learn more. Um, yeah. I think people think the coaches sometimes have an attitude of, of uh, it's my way or the highway. I'm continuously always ready to learn, especially about compounds that maybe I've shut the door on. Maybe there's a different use for them, a different application. So absolutely leave a comment. Sounds good. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, in the live stream. You guys are awesome. The word true, it's very simple. It's only four letters, but it's got a vast meaning. It's about legitimacy. This has to be the real deal. My whole philosophy in everything in life is progression. If I'm not progressing, I am frustrated. You know, back in the 90s, I was known as the guy who put muscle mass on people who were stuck. There were things happening in the industry that weren't good. And in April of 2003, Doug and I started True Nutrition. We put the money into the jug, into the bag. That's where the money goes. We're in lab coats, we're in the back, we're manufacturing this stuff. So if it's not worthy enough for me, it's not worthy enough for my business partner, it's not worthy for you. Whether you're a bodybuilder, a triathlete, Whoever you are, whatever your goal is, it is customized to you. I developed my reputation as a no BS kind of guy. I'm Dante Trudeau, half owner of True Nutrition. 